This is episode 80 of the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and for the second episode in a row, I am joined by two of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. I heard that last week. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you heard that last week? I heard you went that last week. Okay, well, you, you go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Corey Rogers, and I'm thrilled to be Jonathan's favorite person this week. Oh, okay. How's that? <laughs> Mindy's also here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm here too. I'm the, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yep. Here we go. It's Friday afternoon. We've recorded on Friday afternoons before, and either things go really, really badly. <laughs> we have to, we make lots of mess ups and we have to do lots of edits. Or we're sometimes a little low on energy, but I see yeah. you drinking some, looks like some caffeinated drink over there, so. It's just lemonade, so nope, it's not caffeinated. I don't have any caffeine in my house right now except for coffee, and that it's in the afternoon. So we're going to just, yeah, yep. So should we start with some news and follow-up? Let's do it. I thought maybe okay. we could start with some updates because um, we have both, in fact, we have all been using uh, Google Meet and those features yes. that we talked about in the last episode. So we've used yeah. breakout rooms. We've used Jamboard, mm-hmm. the polls, the Q&A. We've disabled chat and screen sharing, the background blur. What Any impressions or what you've thought of that, mm-hmm. Mindy or Corey? Yeah, you know, um, I have to admit I was a little apprehensive using Google Meet because I had been on Google Meets before but had never been, you know, the facilitator or the moderator. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one thing that we greatly missed, I were, was with Beth um, doing the work and we missed the co-host capabilities within yes. Google Meet. Yeah, so yes. for sure. we, yeah, whether right or wrong, signed in under the same account. And this was a domain account that was given to us. There's no personal information to us tied to it at all. So um, we felt pretty okay then sharing a username and a password and and it worked really slick for the both of us to be signed in, except that everyone kept calling me Beth. Oh, you know. Well, that's not. So I was bad. one of those people, <laughs> and it, and Jonathan was one of them. Yes, I was. Yeah. I, I got confused. Saying, yeah. Well, I was answered. So then, um, ours we didn't have enough people, so we pushed them over to Jonathan's um, uh, call, and I came in to moderate the chat, and he kept thanking Beth for answering all of the questions because it said no, Beth once above the comment. Hi. Hi. Hey, it's me. I couldn't see hey, your video. But you knew I was there under Beth's name. And you kept calling me Beth. Oh, whatever. I will say, and it was probably a setup, because I was working with Lynn for those sessions. Mm-hmm. Not being able to see everybody was hard. And yeah. I didn't add yep. the extension and mess with it. Mm-hmm. But that was a hard mm-hmm. part of it, because Jonathan yeah. probably couldn't see you either for a visual cue that it was you and not Beth. That's true. Yeah, I'm um, close enough to kick him under the table like I normally am. So that's true. <laughs> I like the background background blur that I can't say clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. I have curly hair problems, so the zoom backgrounds I don't like because I get a halo effect oh, around my curly mm-hmm. hair, and the the um, background blur looked a lot better. That's super mm-hmm. vain, but. Mm-hmm. I like that. I also like it for the kids. So I think yeah. my own children have teachers requesting their video be on, and my yep. 13-year-old's very uncomfortable with it. That's a nice option mm-hmm. for her, mm-hmm. at least. That gives her a little bit more privacy with yeah. what, for whatever reason. And an update yep. on the background blur that I found out. I didn't know this at the time, but background blur is not currently available on Chromebooks. 
Yeah, I saw that too. That's for real. That's a real thing. I yeah. saw somebody say that. I was like, that's not true. Really? So this is yes. lifted straight from the Google support page. Um, and it says the feature will only appear on eligible devices that meet the technical requirements because they're doing it in the browser. You know, you need a more powerful um, CPU in order to oh, make that yeah. work. And most Chromebooks mm. are not got very powerful CPUs. So um, currently not available on Chromebooks. Which means probably not available to students. Yeah. Google man, I tell you. Maybe they're working on that. I hope, Maybe I they hope so. Who had an answer to a question I had? Oh, yes. So if you have to boot a student from a Google Meet call... Um, what happens usually when you go to um, remove them from the call is something pops up like some sort of message that says, if you remove this person from the call, um, they won't be able to return. Well, so we've been talking a lot about reusing um, Google Meet calls through the nickname or through Google Classroom. Yeah. And so somebody asked me, well, does that mean that it removes them forever? And I was like, well, I don't know. So um, I happen to find today that the answer to this is that um, you can remove a student from a call. They can come back, but you have to wait some time. So um, what they're saying is five minutes is what I saw. So if you end the call and then have to start the call again and want the student to be part of it, you'd have to wait at least five minutes. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So, but at least they can come back, right? Instead of having to regenerate a link or find a new nickname or whatever. So... I thought that was kind of good to know, um, yeah. especially since I think people ask me, but I think I heard that like three or four times. I was like, well, I don't know the answer. Wow. So now I do. There it is. Hmm. All right. Well, let's do some more news and updates because um, I thought this was a good PSA for people because this date is coming up soon. Yeah. Your Google Drive trash items are going to be automatically deleted after 30 days starting October 13th. Because right now, they just sit in there until you delete them. Mm -hmm. I use it just kind of as a backup. I'm like, gets it out of my drive, but it's still there if I ever need to go back and get it. Yeah. I'm I feel like this is <laughs> the same in Gmail. Gmail's 30 days. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, trash. So. yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you've been using the trash as an archive, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know that I've ever deleted my trash ever, like in my whole life. Well, I just read it and thought, like, who deletes things? You don't, why do you have to delete things out of your drive? I do. I, I delete stuff like old slide decks and stuff that I know are super outdated instead of having to thumb through them to find out, you know, like if I see, oh, this one's completely outdated, just get I get rid, rid of it. Because that's fair. Yeah. For a while there, I used to go through and search for the term untitled document. And then just oh. trash all those. Oh, I should do that. Mm. That's a good idea. The amount I create in PDs, I probably yeah, should exactly. do that. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. All those demo docs and everything. Yes. You never I always keeping. call mine demo. Yeah, I could just do demo and see all of the stuff that comes up. That'd be interesting. Hmm. Um, also interesting, maybe for some people, folder sharing in shared drives is here. That was always. What does that mean? I feel like I don't understand what that could possibly mean. All right, so shared drives, <laughs> like that, used to be team drives, and you Ugh. didn't, you, yeah. you didn't used to be able to share folders from there, but now you are. Oh, able you can to share, share out? folders. Oh, yeah, that's good news. That is. I had written, I had written off <laughs> shared drives because you couldn't share it. I, you couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. Well, you couldn't do anything with shared drives. It felt like. Other than well, I know, yeah. Well, that's great news. Good one, Wiley. Thanks. Good one today. Yeah, you're welcome. 
Did you guys see the Zoom updates or not? Mm, I'm not sure what you're referring to because there's been so many Zoom updates. <laughs> so why don't you let like us Seesaw. know? Yeah. Every time you look, there's a new update. Well, there's some fun ones here that if your students find them, you're going to see them all the time. They're, they have like mm-hmm. a Snapchat type <laughs> filters on here oh, where yes. you can insert all kinds of like, you know, like bunny ears and... Uh, where are they? I don't masks, think I have one. Do I have to uh, update? Things. If you in your Zoom call, if you hit the little arrow next to the stop video, if you see choose video filter, oh okay, then that's where they are. But um, oh, here I come. Okay, let me. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, oh my! There's a whole bunch. There's a lot. I didn't log oh. in, so I'll experience it later. <gasps> oh. Hey, Mindy's you, wearing some colorful sunglasses. I don't know. They're ski go- I yeah. think they're ski goggles. Ski goggles. But they don't sit actually on my eyes. They're like laying. Like- <laughs> nice. Oh, it's kind of fun. Okay. Oh, that's fun. Arr. Oh, pirate. Arr. I'm going to be a pirate. Oh, they stay on. Oh, how they do, do I take stay it off? On. And you move how your head around and it? it follows you. <laughs> so pretty. How do I make it stop? Pretty soon it'll be like the lady that made herself a potato in a work meeting and couldn't go back. Was oh, it in yeah, teams sure. or something? Did anybody else see that? We'll just no, I did not there see that. Forever. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Some lady running a business meeting turned herself into a potato, couldn't turn it back, finished the meeting as a potato. So it's a real professional right there. Yeah. Yep. The much loved touch up my appearance. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. That now has like a sliding scale. So you can adjust how much your appearance gets touched up and how much it does not. If you think it's going a little too far and just smoothing out all your skin and making you look like some oil painting, then you can doubt that back a little bit. I kind of messed with that the other day because um, I was like looking at myself like, I got to make sure is that still on because I'm looking real bad. And so I went in and like was messing with the scale and I became more like just like a blur, like a, it, yeah, it's real weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't get too far in there. Mm-hmm like bad plastic surgery (laughs) 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 and the last one on here on on this link i don't know if you want to see the the gif that they have down there but when you are sharing your screen you can move your um your video window of yourself around the screen which is kind of interesting so that when you're recording your screen you can uh, move that to a different part of the screen if you are covering up something and it will um resize and move it to a different part too more ways to wow when you present <laughs> i like that i mean <laughs> uh all right well zoom yeah yeah not hey, taking thanks. google meet lying down that's for sure no, no. that is for sure mm-hmm. they got they got things up their sleeves still so I have had, I'm glad you have this on here. This next thing, you have new iPads down because I'm starting to have people ask me about Christmas gifts for their kids and oh. um, about iPads. So there's a new one coming out, it looks like, oh. huh? There are two new iPads. Okay. One is the eighth generation, and that's the base model, the one that schools are buying uh, right. for $329, which is $299 for schools. Mm-hmm. It is basically the same as the last one, except they updated the processor. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else is different. It's <laughs> every it's the same size, has the same features, same cameras, right. same battery okay. life, everything. So that is exactly the same, but it's just a bit faster and okay. a little bit newer. And what is different is the iPad Air, 
and this is the fourth generation now. It gets mm -hmm. a completely new design. It looks like the iPad Pros because they stretched the bezels all the way to the side. They took away the home button. Uh, Touch ID is now in the power button. What? Yes. Whoa. In the power button? In, in the, the power, power button. button? Yes. So you put your finger on the power button to unlock your iPad Air now. It's got a new A14 processor, which is the newest processor that is not available in any other Apple device right now. Um, oh, the wow. phones have not been announced yet for this year, so I'm sure it will be in yeah, the phones. I'm sure that's coming, right? They mm. changed the connector from Lightning to USB-C. What? Wait, what? <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Really? I think that's where we need to go in the world now. We need oh, more USB-C. We needed that, though, like... I know. I mean, 10 years ago. I'm gonna Come well, on. maybe not 10 years ago, but yeah, we've been needing it for a while. So many different pairs of headphones. Uh, I know, that's what I was thinking too. Like, what about my earbuds? Oh, boy. Okay. <sighs> it works with the Apple Pencil 2, so that magnetically okay. clips on the top now. Mm -hmm. And it's available in four shiny colors. Oh, so, yeah. All like, for the low, low price. All for the low, low price of $5.99, <laughs> which... You know, this is not a whole lot different from the iPad Pro right now, which is seven ninety nine. Right, you, you're missing like Face ID. You're missing mm -hmm. like a wide angle camera. There's not much. There's not much else you're you're missing. The, the yeah. screen's a little fancier on the iPad Pro, but you're getting sure. basically a, a, an iPad Pro for five ninety nine, which I think is a really decent deal. I mean, mm -hmm. would it be good mm -hmm. at four ninety nine? Yes, it would absolutely be amazing. <laughs> but it's Apple, so you have to add a hundred dollars onto whatever you think it should right. cost and the then logo. you get the Apple price. So Right. Just I'm pretty excited that about that one. Yeah. Oh, all right. I don't think schools will buy that one and I don't think schools no. should buy that one. No. But, right. You know, yep. it might be I agree. one that I would, you know, look at for sure. Yeah. Christmas is coming. That would be a big Christmas, that's for that's sure. That'd be a yeah. big yeah. Christmas. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. All right, so up next, serve to you piping hot. Our main course for today is what does asynchronous learning look like? Unpack that for us, Mindy. Yeah. Oh, that is a big one, right? So you might be wondering where we come up with this topic. Well, uh, Corey Rogers and I were kind of just chatting a little bit about um, her students are at home. And they are doing a lot of asynchronous learning. And what does that look like? And what recommendations can we make? Or what ideas do we have about what students should be doing while their teacher is planning for the next go round or working in small groups? So what does that asynchronous learning look like? So we're going to solve all the world's problems today, guys. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I think oh, okay. So. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um... I don't know. Who wants to start? Anybody have an idea of... Should we maybe clear up just real quick what asynchronous means? Let's I mean, do that. probably by now everybody's sick of hearing the word synchronous and asynchronous, but our definition of asynchronous is um, students working independently at their own pace, at their own time, um, away from teacher direction, right? Yeah. yeah. Or direct instruction anyway. Is that the best way we can name? What else would you add to that, Corey? I would just add they might be working online, but they could be offline. It just depends right. on what that activity is that the teacher wants them engaged in. So earlier today, I was actually talking to Corey, and um, this might be a stretch for you know some teachers, but one of the things that we were kind of starting to toss around was a little bit about 
um, using Scratch and how we might use some of those more open-ended ideas for kids to create or show um, their understanding of the learning instead of um, maybe completing a worksheet. Not that that's terrible, but that it would maybe allow for a little bit more time for a creative outlet. Um, and so I kind of wrote down some other things like using Scratch, um, using some of those Adobe tools to do some yeah. creation. Um, even kind of like you said, like some unplugged activities, we um, like with Play-Doh or, and you know, older kids might not get into the unplugged activities as far as creating something or anything like that, but really trying to um, allow time for kids to be creative instead of um, just completing the desired exact task. I think some choice. I feel like you guys talked a little yeah. bit with uh, about choice with Beth, but I think that's an important part of getting kids engaged um, and letting them do things without the camera on. Like I was just thinking mm-hmm. both my kids have PE. My, my eighth mm-hmm. grader has PE as a elective right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so her teacher is kind of giving ideas and then they're on their own to do it. So, you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes she's roller skating at five to get her exercise mm-hmm. in. Um, so I think there's things like that that kind of allow kids to do a do it a when it makes sense for them and their schedule and their family. But B, mm-hmm. then do what they want to do. Right. She's getting physical mm-hmm. activity. Let her choose what mm-hmm. it is. Instead of saying, like, you have to do this yoga video or you have to. Right. My son did jumping jacks on camera yesterday. I could hear the thudding. I was down here in a meeting and I could hear the thudding. I was like, well, I guess he's got PE today. Those sound like jumping jacks. Um, (laughs) I love that. Maybe a little bit of both to help support kids, Mm -hmm. I think, is probably a good idea. Well, and something that you kind of said, too, there just in a little snippet was she needed to get like 20 minutes. I think adding time to some of those things, too. So if you are um, giving activities or something like that, that asynchronous time, kids can either get bogged down in because they've never had such, um, I don't know, control over how much time they're working on something or how little time they're working on something. So giving some of those time recommendations with phys ed here, it was 20 minutes, but with any task at all to say to the kids, only take 10 minutes for this. Or if you were finished in five minutes, you probably need to go back just like you would if you were in a classroom setting, probably really helps them do some planning and thinking about, um, I don't know. I mean, that's just executive functioning, right? Yeah. But I think what I would in encourage teachers to do is give themselves permission to take some time to help kids with that. Because um, I don't know about other parents out there. And full disclosure, I didn't think of it. Like we did this continuous learning field guide and we've been trying to help teachers to Mm -hmm. um, be productive. And I don't feel like any of us spent a lot of time thinking about this. So, um, Mm -hmm. but my my son's schedule is chunked in a way where he gets some instruction and then he's got like a 30 or a 60 minute break. And it's perfect because mm-hmm. it's just yeah. enough time for him to get the work done. And then he's back with his teacher. My 13 mm-hmm. year old has these long, like four hour chunks of time that mm-hmm. she's supposed to be productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think giving time, but then also giving ourselves permissions as teachers to say, like, maybe I'm not going to worry about the content, but I'm just going to talk to the kids about saying, like, so tomorrow you have four hours of time. What are you going to do with what that? Do? 
And I gave you this assignment for the week that's going to take two hours. I don't expect you to get it done in like sit down for two hours and work on this start to finish. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. for you to split this into 30 minutes and then 30 minutes. But, Mm -hmm. and I think that stuff we do in our classrooms, or at least I did with projects. Um, My kids often had like a project that would take three or four weeks. So you naturally chunk it for them, but you might not make your thinking visible to the kids that you're Mm kind of incrementally moving them through it. So I think anything that you can do to help kids think about how am I going to plan for this? What makes sense for me as a learner helps them not only during asynchronous learning, but just in life, whatever their career is. Yeah, because you'd never give that three to four week project, you know, at the beginning of the school year in a face-to-face environment. You'd spend all kinds of time, you know, kind of building in, you know, the ability to work in longer chunks of time and talk about, you know, self-regulation and all kinds of things too. So, um, give, like you said, give yourself permission to talk to the kids about that and practice that and um, really is going to benefit them. And eventually they're going to come back to you and then they're going to have these skills that you've already, you know, hopefully tried to get started with them. Yeah, because it's going to get really overwhelming for kids if, you know, they've not had that kind of structure, that scaffolding Mm -hmm. or the chunking or whatever you want to call it in terms of breaking up the content. It's got to look manageable for them because, they might look at something that's supposed to take four hours and they might think this is going to take eight hours and they'll spend half mm-hmm. their time worrying about how do we, how do we even start with it, let alone mm-hmm. go any further. But just having some strategies for, for kids to be able to, you know, look at this stuff and attack this stuff, it's, it's different when the teacher's there face-to-face in the classroom and, you know, she can talk and help and work with students on that. But for asynchronous mm-hmm. stuff, it needs to be very explicit, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, Corey, I know that you you had um, talked to your daughter a little bit then, too, right, about how to manage some of that time. What were some of the strategies that you talked about with her? So she's 13. She had a moment when the academic stuff started of like, Mom, I can't do this, which is when I started talking with Mindy. I had my aha of like, man, we should have – like, I'm kicking myself. We didn't talk to teachers. But one of the things I shared with her is um, – I kind of took a piece of agile project management that um, computer programming software companies use a lot to manage these big projects with lots of people. But what I kind of took from her, you guys can see in my background, I know the listeners obviously Mm -hmm. can't, but (laughs) is this kind of project management board where the rows are the projects that you have going on for her. It's like every class. And then across the top are columns. And so one of them is to do. So what are the things that are in my queue I need to get done? Um, The middle column is process. So something I'm working on or I've started. She's obsessed Mm -hmm. with Dolly Parton right now. So hers says work in nine to five. I know. Oh, I love that so much. Um, So that one's working nine to five. So we brought some humor in it, made her laugh, Mm -hmm. connect to the things Mm -hmm. she likes. And then the the final column is done. So things I've completed which sometimes I think feels silly, but for her, it's been great because I'm able to walk downstairs and say, like, look at all the things you've been able to accomplish. Right. And that sure. stuff as a teacher, you do. You give them mm-hmm. that positive reinforcement, that high five, that you're proud of them and help them recognize their progress. So, And then at the end of the week, we can kind of clear it off and then start over whenever that goes. Um, and then the other thing that I did for her, and I've got links, so we'll put those in the show notes for you, is that there's a 
a woman that presented at CSTA this year's name is Jen Manley, and she's like an agile master for education. And she's just a great resource for all teachers, but specifically, she's a computer science teacher. She um, made like a worksheet that she shares with her kids that then helps them to prioritize their task. So they write down, here are all the things I need to do. Here's how much time I think it's going to take me to get it done. And then they prioritize their list. So they write one, two, three, four, five, and then they can do a check mark when they're done. And so my daughter's been going back and revising it this week. So she's done one list for the week and then kind of adjusts every day, which works for her. That's kind of how my to-do lists go. I'm just not that explicit, but that's been really helpful. And that kind of goes back to like, I first saw the plan, do, review in Ruby Payne's work about supporting kids with executive functioning. So I think a lot of this stuff is also things teachers know. We just sometimes forget. It feels like the basics. And so you forget to go back to those executive functioning planning things. Um, The other one I really like is procedural self-talk that I, again, used to do with kids. Like, first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that. Where if we're just a little more formal and helping and supporting kids, then hopefully they can be a little more independent. It's just, I feel like it's kind of getting fast-tracked this year. If you've got kids that have mm-hmm. big chunks of asynchronous learning, they need it now instead of kind of like, I used to at least do it organically when kids needed it. Sure. I'd kind of pull them aside independently to help. Mm-hmm. I saw there you had on the dock uh, a Pomodoro timer, which... Uh, I, I, I've looked at things like this in the past because I'm a big, at least for myself, I'm a big proponent of like, uh, like productivity, um, techniques. And, uh, I, I have one that, that works for me, but Pomodoro is one of the ones I looked at. Is that something you can talk more about? Uh, so I haven't tried it yet, but I can talk about it. So that to do list I was talking about for my daughter. Then what you do with Pomodoro is you work in 25-minute cycles. So that's what that timer is. It's 25 minutes. Yeah. But So I've made my to-do list. I, I have an activity that's going to take me 30 minutes. So I set my timer for 25 minutes. You turn off all distractions. No email, no Twitter, no Instagram, no doorbell ringing, whatever. And then you love this. I know, right? I'm just going to live need, my life this way. I know. It's, it's, it's on my five-minute chunks of time. <laughs> It's in my to-do list to try this next week with my list. But so you do 25 minutes and then you get a five-minute break. And you do that in like, I can't remember off the top of my head, Jonathan. I know it's in the link, but it's like you do two or three rounds of that and then you get a longer break. And so I think for teachers, all these things work for teachers too, right? But when I've got a planning time that's an hour or two, if you can really shut down distractions, then um, it helps you. And that was something else that that Jen Manley shared um, it's part of Agile, too, I believe. I'm still a novice at all that stuff, so I'm learning. But all these productivity things, I think, also will transition when we get back more to face-to-face learning to group projects and helping kids manage things like this um, to be more productive. Well, and what an, what an amazing life skill. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I keep thinking, too, is like how much – how many different types of skills that our students are probably gaining now than maybe they did in a traditional setting. And this could definitely be one because we may have instructed them or helped or guided them, you know, in a face-to-face environment, but now we're really like, but you need, now you need to apply it on your own. You know, this is a life skill 
as opposed to me still standing over your shoulder and being like, oh, but this isn't done. Yeah. Because you know you're still doing that, right? Like when you're yeah. a teacher, you're still like, well, you're on your own, but hey, I noticed you still don't have this done. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I might have to take a look at that. Hmm. What's it called again? Say it again. I like you. I like it when you say the word. Say it. Me or Jonathan? You mean Jonathan. One of you. <laughs> <laughs> One of you say it. Pomodoro? Yeah. Is that it? Pomodoro? Yeah. Okay. I should probably look at the show notes so I can actually see it. <laughs> I kept waiting for you to say, what's the thing that you wear in your head? Oh, a pompadour? Is that pompadour? Right? Is that is a that haircut? No, or it's, is a it a it's a type of hat. It's a hat, isn't it? Mm, okay. Each interval is known as a pomodoro from the Italian word for tomato. Mm-hmm. After the tomato-shaped kitchen timer yep. that the creator used as a university student. What? Mm-hmm. And he set the timer for 25 minutes and off he went. And then mm-hmm. off he went, yeah. Pomodoro. Interesting. Pomodoro. Um. I'm a getting things done guy myself, so uh, my productivity things. Email is that just your label? And to do lists. And, <laughs> is that my label? My, yeah, is my that just what you call yourself, or is this like a thing? I, like so, it's, it's on my Twitter profile now. You know, the getting things done guy. You know? <laughs> Hi, Jonathan Wiley. I'm the getting things done guy. Yeah, there you go. Is it a book or something, or seriously? It is a book. Yourself yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know. <laughs> okay. We talked briefly about like online versus offline activities. And I think that's mm-hmm. just an important thing to remember because, you know, you can take advantage of offline activities to maybe, you know, as a teacher, do a little bit less um, preparation. You don't have to create every single piece of work digitally for your students to do. So if they have a mm-hmm. textbook and they can do some work out of the textbook, let them do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, think about ways they can do some offline activities as well as online activities. Uh, it doesn't all have to be pair decks and slide decks and things that you've right. spent hours creating. You can do some of those offline um, tasks too because, uh, let's face it, in the classroom, that's probably what some of the kids are doing as well when they're face-to-face. Mm-hmm. They're doing offline work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'd much – I mean, I know I say this all the time. I would prefer – much more to read a book that was in my hand and write notes about it on a piece of paper. And kids do too. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. And that's what I am really worried about. You know, I hadn't been on Twitter for, well, a long time. I mean, I usually go the day of the podcast to just look and see what's going on in the world. And um, I hadn't been on Twitter for a little bit and was just like so sad to see how stressed all these teachers were for with the planning that they're trying to do with their virtual learners. And um, and that's something I kind of thought too, is are we worried so much about making sure everything is digitized and it doesn't have to all be digitized? You know, it can be some of the same types of assignments or activities that you've done in the past. So, you know, you don't have to recreate everything. Um, and there's lots of things that have to be done too. I get that, but, you know, don't be afraid to lean on some of the things that you've already done in the past. So, I wonder if it goes back to teachers feeling like they need to see everything and grade everything. Right. You know, like I, I feel like early in my career, I felt like anything I signed the kids and asked them to do, I had to grade and give feedback. And right. I think mm-hmm. what I learned as I got more and more comfortable was what are the really important things that I need to provide feedback on and I need to see to check in on kids. And so maybe it's just Mm -hmm. kind of going back to that and remembering to say, 
So I might give the kids some work to do, read the book, write a summary on paper. Do I really need to mm-hmm. see that? Or am I, is that going to surface when I have some conferencing with them about their independent reading? And that's when I can do my check-in. But I wonder a little about that too, if it's teachers feeling mm-hmm. pressure to have a documentation of all the kids learning. Of and everything. There's, there's other ways we can have a, we can have a small group conversation right. and I can get a sense of, are you understanding the topic or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and document that in the conversation. So I, maybe it's also about being a little more flexible and giving ourselves permission to not work all the time. <laughs> take a break. Yeah, right. We all need a break yeah. too. I mean, I think we're, we all need a chance to take a break and prioritize family and our own mental health needs as well as the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even along that guideline of feedback there, someone put this in the show notes. It wasn't me, but I'm going to just say it out <laughs> loud. But I feel like, you know, this is a new thing for a lot of teachers. We didn't, we didn't go to college and learn how to teach asynchronously or to create asynchronous content. So, you know, mm-hmm. look for ways to get feedback from kids and or parents, uh, you know, just say, hey, how's this working out at home? Is this mm-hmm. manageable? Is this working out? Um, if not, why not? Are there any barriers here that, you know, I can help remove? What was going on? And, you know, there's different ways to do that depending on the age of your students. But I think, you know, getting some feedback and, and mm-hmm. hearing from the kids or the parents at home that are having to support this. How can I how can I improve? How can we get better at this? Another way of supporting learners asynchronously, the same Jen Manley. I'm going to have to let her know, just say. I think she's just great. But what she does with her email away message is the vacation responder is always on. And we can link in the show notes a, like a template of what she does. But her away message basically says, like, I'm going to respond to you in 48 hours, but here are some FAQs. If you're in this class and you're asking me for an extension, you've got it. If you're not mm-hmm. sure where to find the assignments, here's a link to where they are. Um, if you, because it's computer science, like if you need technical help, here's where that is. And so it kind of frees her up from needing to answer a bunch of the same questions over and over. I thought that was a really clever hack that wouldn't take a ton of time. If you set up your vacation responder ahead of time for kids, probably more for older kids. Cause I had, I have secondary experience, both the elementary teachers mm-hmm. on the Podcaster looking at me like maybe not Corey, but I've no. I'm thinking about it for my life right now. Like I could put everything seesaw in my email and yeah. just be like, "Yeah, here's where you get you'll hear help. from me next week." Or send me another email if this <laughs> didn't answer help. your questions. So. I just I thought like that's a really <laughs> clever way. First of all, of supporting yeah. kids immediately so that they're not right. stewing of like when is when are they going to respond to me? When am I have an answer? And then if you get three or four of the same question, you can go in and update that vacation responder. Here's some more frequently mm-hmm. asked questions. Helps teachers to manage their executive functioning and tasks, but also can help with kids and reducing anxiety and upset with mm-hmm. um, common things. I think that's kind of a neat way of handling some of the asynchronous piece too. And you know what? I'm losing track of the number of times I've gone to a website or for some service and I've emailed them. And they send you an email straight back that says, hey, we'll get back to you in two to three days. Meanwhile, why don't you check out our FAQ? All this stuff here, this might answer your question for you. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I've already been through the FAQ and I can't find it, which is why I'm emailing them. But Mm -hmm. it's the same kind of idea, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, hey, have you seen this? Have you checked this? And you're like, oh, okay. 
I mean, it might be a little bit annoying for when uh, other staff members are emailing you and they automatically get that out of office respond every single time. But, you know, in the environment that we're in, I mean, I think if you just let people know I'm doing this for my kids, it's helping them, then I don't think people have a problem with that at all. So I would say one of the things we haven't really talked about would be, you know, what tools do we have? What digital tools? We talked a little bit about some of the strategies. And um, although, you know, our listeners couldn't say we do see a really nice pretty board that Corey has created on her whiteboard of like a to do list that, you know, talked us through how you move your post-it notes. But digitally, what are some tools that we would um, suggest for this type of organization for our teachers and our students? What you guys got? When I saw Corey's board like that behind <laughs> her, it, it made me think of Trello straight away because I know yeah. a lot of people in the enterprise and the business world, they will manage projects that way and they assign right. different tasks to different people and they move it from one column to the next column and as they move through the process of, of completion and things. So maybe Trello would be uh, one to look at. I know that has a mm-hmm. free component, probably more for secondary kids. Yeah. For sure. So what I can tell you about free Trello. So I use Trello for some of my like CSTA work that I do. And the free version doesn't let you tag people, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. We just color code them. That's how we've kind of done a workaround. So just a heads up to teachers, don't pay for it. You can figure out a workaround, Mm -hmm. but you can't tag people. But we all just assigned ourselves our own color. And that's kind of how we... um, keep track of it. That's also a work in progress. We're trying to figure out how to make that work. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. So I think another thing would be try something if it doesn't work. eh, Try something else until you do figure Mm -hmm. out it works. Um, I think you could also use Jamboard. So sticky notes in Jamboard. If you gave the kids a template and you made the T-chart ahead of time, then they could just move the sticky notes column by column as they go. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of wondered, because um, I often, when I think about Jamboard, I always go to Google Slides. And I think using Google Slides is kind of like an outline of your work and using that white space around the slides, too. You can oh, put yeah. post-it notes there, you know, for due dates. So if I outline a project in Google Slides in the white space of, um, or gray, I guess it's gray. Is it gray or is it white? It's gray, I should say, right? Mm-hmm. So the gray so. space around the... Um, slide would be a good spot to, you know, put some due dates or notes or, um, you know, or tag kids, I suppose, in those comments if you were working on it collaboratively or, but that also always leads me into Google Keep too, which is just kind of a easy way to um, have a a note that runs alongside a doc or slides mm-hmm. or something like that too. So well, then yeah, I, good. well, I was going to say the nice thing with Keep would be tagging, right? So mm-hmm. Keep, you could tag parents if they, the kids are needing support, that you could tag group members if you're working on something collaboratively. I mean, you could share the slide deck or the Jamboard too, mm-hmm. but a little different functionality there. Yeah. And also that, that checklist functionality, you know, you could yeah. say, you know, if the, your project was broken up and structured into different, you know, key points and things you had to go to, you can check those off as you go along. And I think everybody, whether you do it digitally or on paper, I think a checklist is it's a nice thing just to lift things off your shoulder for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can see you're getting towards the end. You can see mm-hmm. what you've still got to do. And that that, that helps me. So some kind of to-do list or, or checklist tool would be would be awesome to have. Um, you know, Google Google Tasks is built into Calendar. It's a very simple looking one. You can mm-hmm. maybe look at that one too. Mm-hmm. Not Mindy's favorite. <laughs> it was going here and go in there and I'm like, 
the nice thing about it is that it's right in your calendar, so you know it all shows up in there. It's in you can I have it in for Gmail. It to die. It's in Gmail too. I use it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I always go in there and it says like buy milk, buy bread, and it's like it's just me <laughs> demonstrating things for teachers on it. So it's got random generic tasks on there. Nothing good. Mm-hmm. I always wait for it to disappear. <laughs> yeah, I, I use Apple Reminders for that sort of thing. Oh yeah, but there's lots of to-do list type of apps you could uh, definitely oh yeah incorporate mm-hmm. into this kind of project for sure. Mm-hmm. Calendar is obviously an obvious yeah. one. I mean, I think if you're working with something that is two to three weeks out. There's no reason why you couldn't say, you know, on Monday between eight and 10, I'm going to work on this part and start mm-hmm. breaking it down into smaller PCs and but also assigning a time to work on it as well yeah. so that you can plan ahead and make sure that you're not cramming the night before and having to do <laughs> four hours of work all at once yeah. with those Red Bulls and whatever else. <laughs> <laughs> you need yeah, to keep really. yourself awake. <laughs> Well, and I think, too, like a template of some sort for those big projects for kids, you know, we might be able to give them a bunch of strategies, but if we give templates, too, for them to actually start from might help organize some of those things, at least to get them started. Because like Corey said, you know, you might have one way that doesn't work and then you're like, well, we're going to toss that. Well, kids might not have another way for it to work. So we have to keep giving them, I think, different ideas or um, strategies to stay organized and find something that really fits their work style best. Yeah. I think the other part for the older kids, too, is giving them, like, letting them use the way that does work best for them, right? So Mm -hmm. if you mandate that they use something, I think that's when it gets hard. So kind of giving them also some choice and some autonomy, um, probably because I have a middle schooler at home, but you know, like part of her job is to build some independence, right? Like that's my job as a parent is to give her some space and let her try. So we got her set up on this agile thing. Now it's hers to use. Hers does not look like mine. (laughs) She's doing it a little differently than I am. It's okay. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Please keep telling me that when I ask yeah. you guys. No, but it's okay. Um, as long as it's working for her. That's the whole idea. So giving kids mm-hmm. that autonomy and then letting them own it. And maybe giving them a chance to share with their classmates, too, to say, hey, let's take five minutes at the end of this week and share. How are you keeping track of this? Share the strategy you've come up with with your classmates. Mm-hmm. Might be a nice way to get some ideas out there, too. Yeah, I always appreciate that when I talk to you guys. Every so often we'll have conversations around how do you deal with email and what how what do you do with your calendar and how do you organize your to-do list and stuff like that. And then you find out little things like that. You find out mm-hmm. little tricks and you think, huh, I should totally do that. That would make so much more sense. And mm-hmm. you can just tweak it and adjust it as you go when you learn from other people. Uh, Mindy snoozing the email until I need it is Mm -hmm. a hack I continue to use. (laughs) So I have a meeting that's going to be at, you know, on Friday at noon. So I'll snooze that email till 1130 that day. So it pops back in. It's a great strategy. Right up to the top. Right up to the top. It's there when I Mm -hmm. need it. (laughs) You're welcome, Corey Rogers. Thank you, Mindy Mm -hmm. Mm Carty. All right. Well, I don't know if we solved all the world's problems, but <laughs> I don't think so. But we no. tried to start. I feel like start. it's a start. You're right. We we made we made some headway. Gave people some ideas. All of these links and resources we will put in the show notes. I'm looking at our show notes right now. They're pretty detailed and link heavy. So uh, we will definitely put as many of those in as we can for you, just to give you some resources to go look at. <laughs> 
All right. So next we have Tech Nuggets. Corey brought like a 12 pack. <laughs> mm-hmm. How many nuggets did you bring, Corey Rogers? Well, I went to a, con- a Saturday conference and walked away with a bunch of ideas I just couldn't wait to share. And then you guys oh, were my. like, do you want to be on the podcast? So I was like, oh boy, do I? I got tech nuggets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then maybe Corey well, should go first. Then. Do you want I think she first? should go first. Yes. Okay. Yep. So um, I think one that's pretty cool. The first one comes from code.org. And they have been doing a lot of work this summer on helping um, the teachers using the code.org resources to transition to all the different models that we have. So they have a document called Modifications for Common Teaching Practices. And what I really like the most about it is that They take common teaching practices. Some of them are specific to computer science, like paired programming, but others are just like think, pair, share, just like a general teaching practice. And they give you ideas about how could you use it if you're in a socially distanced classroom? How can you use it in virtual synchronous learning? And how can you use it in virtual asynchronous learning? And like some of the strategies are like, don't use it. If it, if it doesn't mm-hmm. fit in virtual asynchronous, right. then don't, which I also mm-hmm. like. We're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole. But I think it gives mm-hmm. teachers some nice ideas to take the things you're comfortable with and that are already in your tool belt and just tweak them a tiny bit to make them work in whatever setting you might be in. Because, I mean, at least in Iowa, it feels like we may transition between virtual mm-hmm. synchronous and socially distanced face-to-face throughout the year this year. So... I think that's a really nice resource. Yeah, you know, um, I had shared this with you guys, too, that um, Clemson has this by Dr. Jennifer Baumgartner, which is I'm curious now that you shared that if there's any correlation between the two. So I'll put that in the um, show notes as well. So it's called Active Learning While Physical Distancing. Oh, cool. But it does have... um, Face-to-face, like you said, the strategy, and then um, online asynchronous, online equivalent to synchronous and then physical distance classroom. And same thing. Some of them are filled in and some of them aren't. But I'll add that to the show notes, too. They might be a good thing to kind of crosswalk together. That was almost my tech nugget today. Was it? I almost picked that. I know because you. I know you pick things and say, hey, Jonathan shared this with me. I almost picked that and said, hey, Mindy shared with me because I really like that document. I shared it with a school district already. I think it's a nice way just to look at the continuum of this is what we do face-to-face. This is what we would do if we were, you know, virtual and synchronous and asynchronous. And what that looks like, I think it's just a nice little summary. Yeah. All right. Wiley, what do you have? Well, this week, my nuggets are brought to you by Mike Taylor. Okay. Who is a learning design strategist, I would say. Okay. He does a lot of e-learning work, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of work around um, presentations and visual design as well. But Mm -hmm. he uh, has this great newsletter that I subscribe to. And on Tuesdays, he has it. I think it's called the Tuesday Toolbox or something. So both of these nuggets that I'm going to tell you about today are from Mike Taylor. The first one is... I'm not even sure how to say this, and I'm probably, yeah, you're no, probably waiting for me to say I'm super curious how you're yeah, going to say this. Say. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Irian. Yeah. Okay, and um, this is a solution for a problem that is very common right now, and I think it's the problem is that webcams suck. Yeah. Um, web, webcams and computers are notoriously pretty cheap, not very good. Uh, they don't work well in low light. They're kind of fuzzy and low resolution. So... Arian is software you can put on your Mac or PC 
And what it does is it connects to an app on your phone to let you use your phone or your iPad's camera as your webcam. Wait, what? The camera on your phone is a lot better than the camera on your webcam. Right. So what it does is it you know, connects your phone to your computer so that you can choose Arian webcam as your camera, which is basically your iPhone or your Android phone. And then you can set it up and point it at yourself and get a much cleaner, a much sharper, a much better webcam view. Hmm, that's interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? So there you go, short and sweet. But I think in this time of virtual learning and um, synchronous and asynchronous learning, if we're getting people on webcams a lot, then um, why not make that webcam just a little bit nicer for people? You won't need to touch up your appearance if you look fantastic because your camera's fantastic. My phone's always leaned low against things, you know. Yeah, I mean, in theory, I guess you could have multiple angles. You could have the one for your laptop and switch to camera two, which is your <laughs> iPhone over here on the side, then back to camera one. <laughs> and then you could just uh, flip back and forward. So Arian webcams, free software for Mac and Windows. It's a desktop client. And then there's a free app for Android and iOS. You're up, Mindy. All right. So for my tech nugget... I actually have something from Amber Bridge. She created this really beautiful Google Classroom workbook presentation that is um, really great for teachers, but also great, I think, for, I mean, maybe as a teacher, I wouldn't share the whole thing with students. Maybe I would. I mean, it's really good stuff. So it's built out of one of those Slides Mania um, workbook type um, templates and she has gifts in here. She's got videos. She has infographics. She has everything built in. It's like everything you could possibly want or need to know about Google Classroom. I wouldn't say it's like the beginner's guide to Google Classroom. Would you guys say it's beginner's guide? It's a lot about like, there are some things in that, like where things are located, but I think it's also um, about how you use Google Classroom and ideas of... Um, you know, how you would chunk the, the information for students or how you would get feedback or give feedback, that kind of stuff. So um, I'm going to put the link in to share that because I think people will get a lot of use out of it. Um, and because I just want to give her a shout out because I know it was a ton of work. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah. Amber and I were working together. Um, oh, are you going to try district. and take credit for this? I'm going to take no credit for this. Okay, okay. All I was going to say was we split <laughs> the teachers in two. Half of them did um, Seesaw with me. And yeah. Half of them did Google Classroom with Amber. Mm -hmm. And so we created our resources to help support them. And mm -hmm. Amber put this together. It was kind of based off the CLFG website, Continuous Learning Field Guide. So yeah. that's where those parts come in there in terms of how it's pitched. But yes, it is excellent work. And mm -hmm. um Took her a lot of time, but I think as she worked through it, she was thinking, this is taking a long time, but it's really good. So she kept going with it, and I'm glad she did. Yeah, I think it's a good resource for somebody that's familiar with Google Classroom. It'd be a great, it'd be a great resource for them to kind of like yes. go back through and refresh, and then there's lots of tips and tricks in there. All right, Corey Rogers, what's your next one? Oh, what do I pick? Oh, um, boy. I know. So many to choose from. I know. So <laughs> how about this one? So the second one, it's the third one on the list. The second one I'm going to share is Philadelphia Outward Bound School 
has a whole website full of virtual icebreakers, emotional check-ins, team builders, and community builders. So mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but what I'm hearing from teachers is like, what do I do during homeroom SEL time? How do I build community when I've never met these kids face-to-face? We've never all been in a physical space together. And so I think these are great They give lots of different examples and ideas, and on their website, they have some video clips of some of them, not all of them, but Mm -hmm. some of the strategies so you can see how it went on Zoom with the group of students they were working with this summer. Um, And right now, anyway, every two weeks, they're putting out a new group of resources, and they're in um, different like categories of... um, Hmm. Uh, that was the word I'm looking for. Anyway, they're like clumped mm-hmm. in different categories. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I just thought it's a nice resource if you're a teacher that's not really comfortable with the icebreaker type stuff or you're just mm-hmm. not sure what to do with them. Nobody loves a good icebreaker more than Mindy Carney. Uh, oh, God, I hate icebreakers. I know. Yeah. My daughter hates them too. And I kind of, yep. I try to talk to her and say like, but honey, that's part of teaching is getting kids to feel good. She's always like hard pass. Don't like them. Mm-hmm. Yep, so some of yep. these are really fun. Like what's a song you'd walk into a room with? Like some of them are, hopefully there's enough variety. You could catch kids on something they might like. Mm-hmm. But Lisa's well, a resource. I think some of it is just like, the forcing of it, I think, is what's always challenging for me. Like yep. when you've never seen anyone and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to have an icebreaker. And I'm like, I don't even know you enough to share anything about myself except my favorite color, maybe. Um, so I think just finding good times to ask those, ty- those types of questions or I'm not against an icebreaker. I'm against like a forced icebreaker in the first three minutes that I've met you. How about you know that? what? Make it a, make it an opt-in for kids. You know, here's an mm-hmm. icebreaker. If you if you like this and you think you want to join in, then go for it. And you, as a teacher, will quickly get an idea for whether these icebreakers are going to work with your kids or not. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get a really social kind of outgoing class. Everybody's really chatty, and um, but other times you don't. So. Mm-hmm. All right, Wiley. What else does Mike Taylor have for us today? <laughs> So, also from Mike Taylor, I, I put this in here as something that you guys might want to take advantage of because oh. every time I happen to see, well, I won't go with Mindy's computer or Stacy's computer. There's like a thousand tabs open. Gina Rogers oh. has got five windows with a thousand tabs on mm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So this is um, a little Chrome extension or a Firefox extension called Tab Hair. Like a rabbit, I guess. So what what it lets you do is search through all your open tabs. Because after a while, all you see up on your tab screen there is all those little tab icons. Mm -hmm. And you're like, which Google Doc is that in? And then you see Mm -hmm. like 20 Google Doc items. So you can search for keywords. And you can also uh, delete tabs, uh, closed tabs that you might want to get rid of. So if Corey's researching her CSTA stuff and she's done all of the stuff she needs to, she can search for CSTA, go and check all the tabs that came up for CSTA and hit close tabs and it will close all the tabs for you. So we were talking about productivity type things and executive functioning. I thought that might be a good one just to throw in today. It is a free Hmm. extension called Tab Hair. Tab Hair. Tab hair. (laughs) All right. So my last tech nugget is actually something I've seen a couple different times. 
Um, and I'm wondering if you guys have seen this too. So it's teachers that are using multiple different Google Meets for the types of working environment you want to work in as a student. So for example, if I want to be in a Google Meet with my teacher because I have questions to ask, I would go to this link. Mm -hmm. If I want to have uh, work in a Google Meet where other kids are talking about whatever I'm learning about um, with video on and audio on, I can go to this Google Meet. If I want to go to a Google Meet where no one is talking, but you can chat in the text, I can go there. Or I can go to a Google Meet and just work silently. So in the Google slide, there's like four different doors. And those Google Meet links are attached to those four Google or four doors. And so as a teacher, I can still pop in and out of those. Um, but primarily I'm staying in the spot where students have gone to have direct instruction or have me answer questions for them. So this is almost like manual breakout rooms. It's actually yeah. four, four different meet calls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting, I like that. right? Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, you know, like if you're trying to do something like this, but in breakout rooms, you'd have to have all the kids tell you which breakout room they wanted to go in mm -hmm. and yeah. then manually have to Dragon. move. Yeah. Shift those kids in and out. I think it would be a nightmare. Now, of course, there are probably plenty of things you need to discuss with your kids prior to that because they're in a Google Meet room, you know, unsupervised. Um, so definitely some expectations and norms and those types of things, but you still have the ability to hop in and out of those, um, you know, because it's four different Zoom calls. You wouldn't be able to use like your classroom link in Google Classroom because the teacher has to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. To open it up. And then, yeah, yeah and a nick you couldn't do nicknames, so you'd have to create the meet through, you know, other means, not the two ways that we normally talk about, but... And you'd have to have some way of just making sure everybody comes back together if you're breaking mm -hmm. out and to, to the main room, whichever one that one is, the teacher's room, for instance. Mm -hmm. And then or you know, maybe, maybe you jump in the other room and you say, hey, kids, we're just finishing up here. I'm going to end the call and you guys can go back to the teacher room. Yeah. And I, that way. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could pair that with that Google Meet extension, uh, Google Meet breakout room extension. Because that makes it really easy to go between the different rooms. Mm-hmm. I'm just I don't know spitballing, but I think you it might is kind of an interesting that way. Yeah, I mean, we were talking a little bit about like asynchronous learning, and so to me, I was kind of thinking about like we came into a big group, mm -hmm. so we were starting as whole group, but I was sending you off into the world. Now you choose how you'd like to work. So if you, yeah, it's kind of asynchronous. Of sorts, because it's away from me and you get to choose now how you work. And so it still provides some of that social interaction that I'm assuming lots of kids probably are still, whether they say it or not, are craving yes. of sorts, you know. So yeah. anyway, I just thought it was worth like pointing out because I think it's super interesting, but I can see lots of pluses and minuses about it or, you know, some issues that you could have. But no, no, well, that was yeah. kind of interesting. I yeah. like it. It's in it is interesting. 
I can say I did see it, and I I think Lindsay is a is a great person to follow on Twitter yeah, if you're looking is. for somebody new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely take a look. She is yep. at the real Lindsay two on Twitter. Yes, which is kind of funny. Nice. Yes, that there's two real Lindsays. There's two yeah. real Lindsays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw her at um she spoke at the Visible Learning Conference. I think I went to. Um, oh, okay. Is that when I saw her? Anyway, yeah, her story about that is she's just a really engaging speaker and very funny, and I really enjoyed her a lot. So um, she's an instructional coach that uses a lot of the um, Hattie stuff. So, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yep. All right. I have one more. Okay. It's super nerdy. Mindy's going to roll her eyes. Uh, I already am rolling my eyes. So speaking of asynchronous, um, Mm -hmm. these are secondary computational thinking puzzles that you can share with students and um if you the one you click on is kind of like a booklet like an old school logic book that you used to be able to buy like at the airport is what it reminds me of i'm looking at it um but they're all different logic puzzles that help kids to with computational thinking and then logic which is an important part of computer science I used to start my class with like rebus puzzles, you know, the one that's like outside the box and all the words are outside of a box. Mm-hmm. And then we, I'd bring kids back together after I got all my attendance and clerical stuff and we'd talk through, did you solve it? How did you solve it? So I also think these could be used as warm-ups and icebreakers. So if you're a, you're somebody like Mindy that doesn't like the touchy-feely um, icebreaker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, these you could use as icebreakers, but it's getting kids into the content as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a really nice way to engage. And I know at least I'm hearing from computer science teachers like, what do I do with asynchronous time? with mm-hmm. kids, I think this is a nice option. And then they can come back to you and talk about their thinking strategies and then what type of um, computational thinking strategies they used. Or or you could just do them for fun because I do these for fun. <laughs> fun with air quotes. Yeah. Yep. I was just going to ask, it says secondary computer, compu- it doesn't say that can at all. Say it? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It says secondary computational thinking puzzles. Is that for secondary age students? Is that what that's aimed at there? Yeah, I would say sixth yeah. grade. I think if you, I mean, you obviously, if you look through these, you know your kids. Um, and so I would, I would say sixth grade is probably a good start. And you'll want to be strategic. So some of them are very computer science based. Like some of them are debugging and it's pseudocode. So if you have kids that have never coded before it, with a text-based language, they're going to be lost probably without scaffolds. But other ones are truly like mapping or just the logic. Like the Knight's Tour is a pretty classic computer science, which is about moving things around a board. Um, so I would be choosy about it. Kind of look through and see which ones you that work for you. But it's a nice, nice way to start the class. Mm-hmm. Bell work, practice, whatever. They have nerdy jokes on here too. Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, tell me one. What's it? Oh God, what's it say? There are ten types of people: those who understand binary and those who don't. I thought that was funny. I, I do too. Because binary, binary is oh, is ones and zeros, ands and offs. So it really, it means there's two. That's two. the number two in binary. Uh, okay. <laughs> Good talk. Good, Good talk. talk. Okay. <laughs> All right, Corey, where can people find you online? Uh, They can find me on Twitter at Corey underscore Rogers. 
Awesome. <laughs> uh, do you want me to say my email address too, or they can find me no. at C Rogers? No, don't say no. Email okay, address. never no. mind. Don't email me. Email Jonathan. <laughs> but I learned on the last podcast to just tell people to contact Jonathan for me. Yeah, yep. that's not been working out well for me. Yep. <laughs> Mindy's at Team Carney. I am mm-hmm. at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at dlgwaa.org. We have talked for long enough today. So yeah. until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.